0: Aloha and welcome to this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School live from Maui, Hawaii. My name is Michael Benner, your host, and as always, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. We're going to talk today about a concept that I feel really strongly about. I think this is important. Uh, Some circles, particularly Theosophical circles, it's called harmony through conflict. It's the idea of facing problems and adversity and, and conflict with the intention not only of solving the problem, but of redeeming the whole situation so that it's better, and identifying as a mediator rather than Somebody who needs to win arguments or to be right. And we'll talk about the differences as we move into the program today. We'll take your questions a little later in the hour, both by text if you're listening on the web. And uh, you'll notice there's a little button on the left side of the screen that says ask your question. And uh, you can do that at any time. And I'll go to the questions a little later in the program. And if you're listening on the telephone, or if you'd like to boot the telephone, uh, the telephone numbers are all on the page in front of you, including local numbers. You can find an area code near you if you're concerned about the toll call. The telephone is, uh, well, both are live, but this web feed is delayed about 18 seconds. So if you have both going, if you're listening on the web and you pick up the telephone to, to call, you'll be surprised perhaps to find out that there is an 18-second, somewhere on the order of 15 to 20-second uh, delay. Don't let that throw you. The live feed will be the telephone. And if you're only on the web, you won't know the difference. It doesn't really matter much. And those of you who choose to use the phone to not only listen in, but even participate, when you have a question or a comment, press star 2 on the telephone touchpad, key in asterisk 2, and that in a sense raises your hand on my console, and I can unmute you one at a time and bring you into the discussion long enough for you to ask that question or, or, or make that comment. All right. Also, before we begin today, I want to say how excited I am about this uh, new social network site that we've created. It's like Facebook, only it's designed to and intended to appeal to students of the ageless wisdom, to anybody really who's interested in personal and spiritual growth and development, self realization. So maybe somebody you know would like to be a part of this, whether they listen to this webinar on Sundays or the the podcast replay or the Finding Yourself in Paradise premium audio series or not. It doesn't really matter. If they're interested in personal growth, then invite them to join you at this special site we've set up. The address, the URL, is similar to my website. First of all, my website, after the W's, is theagelesswisdom.com. The first word, T-H-E, the, 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 <laughs> is part of the address. So after the W's, theagelesswisdom.com. That's where uh, the archives are for this webinar Um You can subscribe to the podcast there. My bio is there. Um, A whole lot of text articles, uh, a whole section on abolishing hunger from the world, a section on the abolition of war with a lot of good resources. If you haven't been there, well, if you've never been there or you haven't been there for a while, you might want to check it out, agelesswisdom.com. But the new social net we're talking about, where you can post your own music as MP3s, videos, and JPEGs, and chat room and talk to each other, send messages back and forth, and help us build a community of people that listen to this information. That's at theagelesswisdom.ning.com. com. So. That's M like Nancy, I N G, the ageless wisdom dot Ning dot com. And um, if you've never signed up before, as soon as you sign up, I'll approve you. I have to go through that process to keep the spam and the phishing out. So that usually just takes a few hours, and then you'll be able to sign in repeatedly and get to. Set up your own personal profile, your own page, and meet other people there and and have a lot of fun. Actually, what we've been doing after the live webinar here on Sunday is several of us visiting um, the Ning site just to go into the chat room. So I'll do that uh, after the class today. I'll go to the chat room at the Ning site, theagelesswisdom.ning.com. And um, we'll meet there and play around and chat a little bit. Okay, So get signed up for that and invite your friends. It's a great community and beyond just a one-way website, a way to interact and and uh, and, and build relationships. It should be a lot of fun. Already is a lot of fun. We're just missing you. So our topic uh, for the day today, again, is Harmony sometimes called harmony through conflict or harmony by means of conflict, it's um, an alternative to the view that you have to either win an argument or lose an argument, that, you know, there's nothing in the middle. Well, there is something in the middle, and that's called harmony. So let's take... um, Let's take your um, marriage or boyfriend-girlfriend situation as a really good example of having situations where there is conflict, where there is disagreement. But if either one wins, if either partner in the relationship wins, that means somebody lost. And if either partner in a relationship loses, then the relationship loses. And the fact that one person has won something is meaningless. It's destructive, in fact. If it has meaning, and the meaning is that it's destructive to the relationship. Um, my partner over at Focus Passion, Steve Snyder, always likes to quote Bill Cosby and say, if if either one of you in a spousal relationship, in a marriage or or partnership of some kind, life partnership, if either one of you win an argument, be sure to apologize immediately to the other person, because you just made them a loser. There's surprisingly little information available in the mainstream literature, books, magazines, about the idea of a middle ground between winning and losing, the idea of... Finding a way to resolve conflict and get your argument heard and understood, and maybe even agreeing to disagree, while going beyond simply agreeing to disagree—not to score points. Again, the whole idea that I'm going to win this argument means that the other person is going to have to lose something, and then the relationship if either loses. The relationship suffers. I think you get my point. So why isn't there more information? I, I don't know. I don't know why more people don't talk about it. Why more people aren't uh, more skilled in creating harmony, um, an understanding and acknowledgement that even though we disagree, I respect your point of view. Right. And what is happening to us in these? Uh, argumentative discussions with people that we love and care about that make us so blind to the third way, to the middle way. And while that's basically a, a Buddhist term uh, for avoiding extremes and finding the path to divinity, it certainly applies here. The middle way, again, is no winners, no losers, Um You could say everybody wins, except even the word winner suggests that somebody lost something if you're going to be a winner. How could both sides uh, win? Well, this is where we have to begin our discussion today, with a definition at the top that you can, again, I'm going to use a marriage or boyfriend, girlfriend, or domestic partnership kind of situation as an example for Harmony Through Conflict. The, the very idea that somebody could win an argument and somebody could lose an argument suggests you're on different teams. And this is the fundamental mistake right here. And it is a lie that comes out of your emotional nature. When we get emotionally worked up, when we're invested in a particular belief, or our right to defend the way we feel emotionally, usually defending some part of our identity or our lives that needs defending, we feel, because we've been hurt before. And now we're going back into that same area, and I don't want to be hurt again, so I'm going to get defensive and make you wrong. Because if you're right, then I lose. If you're right and you disagree, then I'm wrong, because we all know there's only two ways anything can be. And so that would be the second trap, the second gross misunderstanding that comes out of a highly emotional state. Number one, the idea we're on different teams rather than the same team, and Number two is that if there's a disagreement, then somebody's right and somebody's wrong. Um, That there's only two ways anything can be. I found this frustrating for the 35 or 40 years I did talk radio. Very frustrating. And if you go back to those days, if you were a listener back then, I'm sure you have some memory of that being like a central topic, week after week after week, is what do we do with these either-or thinkers? With the proliferation of computer technology, a new phrase has emerged uh, to describe this phenomenon. It's, It's sometimes now called binary thinking, as in the binary nature of the vast majority of computers They're all built on zeros and ones. Um, Even a a number or a letter on your ASCII keyboard is really a combination. It's a hex code. It's a combination of eight zeros and ones. Like the letter A might be, I don't know, but I'm just guessing. The letter A might be uh, 100001101. out to these hexadecimal, out to eight digits. I wasn't keeping track of how many I did. Or the number one on your keyboard might be 000000001. But it's combinations of zeros and ones that create numbers and letters, so-called ASCII text. And everything is built up from something is either on or off. If it's a zero, it's off. If it's on, it's a one. Well, the more stressed, hear me clearly because this is important, the more stressed we get, the more frightened, the more anxious, the more nervous, the more apprehensive, uh, overstimulated, the greater will be the tendency to think in either-or terms and to lose sight of the so-called middle way. Because, you see, if there is a middle way, if there is a third option, then there's a fourth possibility. There's a fifth alternative. There's a sixth point of view. There's a seventh way of looking at this that's different from the previous six. And you can see how rainbows begin to open up between the black and white or at least shades of gray. There's more than either or. And yet, the very stress that leads to an argument or conflict in a relationship, which then can build and amplify itself as we get frustrated about not being heard, not being understood, and not being agreed with. That's what we think we want, is agreement. Well, that stresses us out even more, causing us to be even more certain that there's only two positions on this death or survival. (laughs) That's what it is. It's a fear response to try to keep you alive. And your brain is saying this is not merely an argument with somebody who loves you, this is the enemy. And they're going to kill you. Now, you know better, but you don't stop to think that way. Most of what passes for argument in relationship has very little thinking in it. It's usually motivated by this uh, fear and anxiety and stress. And and we're overwhelmed by the fight-or-flight response, the fear response that comes out of this situation it's as if our normal intelligence is lost or sacrificed while we go into this survival mode well the antidote is to agree that there's got to be a middle a middle way at the very least and if we can get off the poles as in the polarity of a bar magnet. If we could think of a football field and get out of the end zone and back on the playing field, that 100 yards between the end zones, that's the middle. The full swing of the pendulum, if you will, that's the middle. If we're going to talk about the swing of the pendulum, it's important to remind ourselves there's no point on the path of that pendulum swinging where the pendulum itself is not affected by both extremes, falling away from one and falling because of momentum toward the other until some balance is reached and then the pendulum reverses itself and swings back the other way, increasing speed faster and faster and faster. Until it goes past the middle and it starts to slow down again. Um, Or to go back to the football field, you know, in a game of football, you score a point when you cross over into the end zone, but the end zone is out of bounds. When I talk about the middle between the extremes, talk about the third way, we don't mean only the 50 yard line. We mean the whole playing field between the end zones, because truth might be at ninety ten, or ninety five five, or sixty forty, or fifty one forty nine. That and your truth and your partner's truth could be different. But if you get off the everything or nothing, the zeros and the ones, the idea that you're either all right or all wrong and there is nothing in the middle. That That's a very dangerous place to be. That's what leads to irreconcilable differences. That's where you get into physical altercations, sometimes violent, uh, threats, uh, and you move out of the marriage or spousal relationship. This in international affairs is what leads to war. This Inability to mediate, to find the middle ground. Now, when couples come for counseling, and I wish you wouldn't wait so late. (laughs) You know, often by the time a couple would come to me for couples' counseling, married or otherwise, so much damage has been done that it can be hard to recover. So please don't wait until you're desperate to seek counseling. Nobody taught you how to do this. Um, And therapists have dedicated their lives uh, to learning conflict resolution skills to help you get heard and understood, even if not agreed with. So don't wait to the last minute. So you're about to sign the divorce papers before you seek counseling but the point I was going to make is when when people I've, I've seen this certainly in my practice but also other therapists and counselors uh, that I know personally have said the same thing to me that it's not at all uncommon for a couple to arrive at the session number one, your very first session with an expectation of adjudication. Um, I talked about this briefly in the newsletter this week, that we expect Judge Judy to slam her gavel down on the table and declare who is right and who is wrong. And especially if you've never done any kind of counseling or Uh, therapy around relationships, Uh, I I think people want that. They want the counselor to say, you know, you're right, and the person you're arguing with is wrong. And, of course, your partner is expecting just the opposite. Because you both are right. You see? The big mistake here is to think that this is a matter of right and wrong, excuse me, a matter of right and wrong, when often it's a matter of disagreement, where you both have a certain degree of rightness, and maybe you both have a certain degree of wrongness, and the goal should not be to agree so much as to understand. I think for those of you taking notes, that, that, that's a great one to write down. The goal in conflict resolution, the whole theme of our program today, harmony through conflict or harmony from conflict, is not to win anything, certainly not to defeat anybody, and to give up the need to be right in favor of the opportunity to understand to understand what to understand your position better than you have, because you thought it was right and then he, variation was wrong <laughs> right, but also the more uh deeply uh, to better understand your partner's position, which again, in most situations were dedicated or or, or devoted to making them wrong. Which validates our argument. Part of the madness of either or thinking, of binary thinking, is just this belief that there's only two choices, that everything is a true false exam. Been a lot of years since I did a true false exam, but I remember being very frustrated in school by true and false. I wanted the third choice. I wanted the fourth option. I wanted all of the above or none of the above. I wanted wanted to talk to the teacher about it. I wanted a little fill in the blank or about a blue book essay. Uh, I I don't want true or false. It's not sufficient. And it's not adequate. And so this is the problem with a high-stress mentality We tend to see everything in terms of true or false, right or wrong, good or bad, winners or losers, everything or nothing, so that if you disagree with me even just a little bit, maybe we agree on 95% of this, but 5% of this topic we disagree on, well, doesn't matter. If there's any disagreement, I know I'm right. You know you're right. That means you know I'm wrong, and I know you're wrong because we both know we're right. Even though we agree, in 90 or 95 percent of it, this other 5 percent, maybe 10 percent, whatever, we don't agree, well, that's everything, you see, to a binary thinker, to somebody that is defensive, um, oriented toward their ego, the lower self. Uh, Separative in their nature, and believes that anything that's different is opposite. And believes that anything that's different is opposite. That's part of the madness of the either or thinking. Even if I agree with 95% of what you say, this other 5% means you're opposite. That means you oppose me. Opposite, oppose. If you're different, you're opposite. If you're different to any degree, even the slightest degree, you now oppose me, and that's compounding my stress, and so now I'm even more likely to fight to make you lose so that I can win. That's the only strategy that we have. Today I'm offering you, uh, it's really quite an old concept. It's been around for a long time the idea of harmony and harmony through conflict is an idea that there is this middle ground and it might be 50-50 but it's probably 60-40 or 70-30 or some blend somewhere in the middle it doesn't matter what it's about is understanding not being right and so one of the questions you have to ask yourself now And again, when you get into an argument, is would you rather be right or would you rather truly understand how both of you could share some degree of rightness? And if we're busy arguing for our position, then where is the opportunity for us to acknowledge to the other person that they might have a point, you see? And I also, I also want to take this to the larger concept of harmony, which is. Oh, let I say this: and when we get into right and wrong, and good and evil, um, and they, and again, we talked about war, and. People kill each other. People kill other people because they feel threatened by a different point of view. Again, who says that different is in opposition? Just because something is different from your view doesn't mean it opposes you or threatens you. It's only perceived that way by the most overstressed minds where people, in terms of the way their brain works and the way they've trained their mentality they see disagreement as a matter of survival it's always a matter of survival so I'm going to have to kill you basically or at least humiliate you or demean you in front of your friends because that's my controlling nature if I have this need to be right and after all if these are the only two choices I'd rather be right than wrong so the third way is about understanding. It's not just the middle. It's like it's like any blend of the two, where we're looking for um, some common basis of understanding, even though we'll continue to disagree. I think if we talk about harmony in music, we can get a bit of an illustration here. Um, if if we had 15, 20 people that wanted to all sing together in a chorus and they all sang exactly the same note they all agreed, so to speak that they were going to sing the melody and everybody sang the melody, the same note in the same way at the same time well that would sound nice and full like the children's choir young kids, grade school kids who don't yet have the ear for harmony, right? So you all sing the same note. The other extreme would be if everybody sang whatever they want, uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever they wanted, in any key that they wanted, right? Uh, with any rhythm or cadence that they felt like, it would be you know a disaster. It would be a, uh, uh, a cacophony. What's the word I want? A discord. It would be discordant. Right. so there's your two extremes if we all sing the same note it's okay but it's just sort of blah sounds like a kids choir if we all sang whatever we wanted it would be horrible wouldn't even be in the same key wouldn't match or fit at all right like a badly tuned guitar but harmony is the middle harmony says let's work together to at once Sing different notes, but do it in a way that is harmonious, where these frequencies are mathematically related. And that's what you have in harmony. You have the the tonic note, the key that you're in, the melody note. Then there's a third above that, and a fifth above that, and sometimes a seventh or a flatted third is a minor. If you don't know music theory, or if, like me, you just know a little bit of musical theory, it gets complicated pretty quickly. But, you know, the difference between hearing a bunch of kids all sing the same thing at the same time and hearing, you know, four-part harmony of the Beach Boys or, you know, some R&B group like... uh, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles or or the Temptations. I'm showing my age here. Uh, The old doo-wop groups. Uh, Even that corny uh, barbershop quartet stuff is quite remarkable in the textures uh, that are created through harmony. So harmony in music, I think, is a very nice touchstone or example that we can go to that you can remember and say to yourself now Well, uh, harmony that's, I remember the Elton John song harmony that's a beautiful concept that's like we're not going to sing the same note we're going to make it sound even more beautiful than if we both sang the same note we're going to sing different notes but choose harmonious notes and coordinate and work together All conflict can be resolved with harmony. All you have to do is understand the basics of what we do wrong that I've already explained, the tendency to think in binary, either-or, everything-or-nothing, (laughs) shoot-first-and-ask-questions-later kind of terms that's compounded by stress and anxiety and fear. And it gets into a vicious cycle. And you know how that plays out into the world. Now, I've done programs both here and with Steve on so-called reflective thinking or reflective communication where we dwell on uh, how to do this, how to listen to the other person. You really have to take turns. So you could start as the one who speaks and is listened to, or you could volunteer to begin as the one who does the listening and let your partner begin. There are certain pros and cons to each. It doesn't really matter that much in the end. And I'll go over this briefly, but I want to, rather than recreate a program on reflective thinking, sometimes we call it the heart talk, I want to go beyond to an even larger concept of harmony through conflict, and talk about it in terms of a life path, a way of seeking out conflict and adversity in life, and and, and saving it, really redeeming it through this deeper, more profound alchemical principle of of harmony. In, in alchemy, in it, ancient Egyptian philosophy, and most people think of it in terms of the uh, the Renaissance era uh, in Europe, but that's because the Renaissance era, 14th, uh, 15th, 16th century in Europe, was, was marked by a rediscovery of the ancient Egyptian uh, hermetic philosophies and this whole idea of redemption or salvation and alchemy, it's called transmutation. Transformation, metamorphosis, uh again, um the the religious references to this are um could be ascension, crucifixion, ascension, resurrection is really the, the is really the word that tends to be used especially by Christians when they talk about the resurrection of Christ and and what that portends for those who declare themselves to be followers of Jesus the Christ. We'll end up talking about harmony as resurrection or transmutation uh, if I don't dwell too long on just the relationship part. And again, I've just made reference moments ago to the fact that you'll find programs in the archives of this class, the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, and also the premium audio series that Steve and I do at Focused Passion called Finding Yourself in Paradise. Both places, we've done programs about this heart talk, this reflective communication. The idea that you really take turns getting heard and understood. And one of the secrets is you, whoever begins as the speaker, they have to make I feel statements rather than you do this or you did that or you always do this or you never do that or you made me feel and then you're the one who... Common popular way to argue, but it's destructive as hell. It immediately puts the other person on the defense. But if instead you, you make statements about I am or I feel, or then I thought, or that caused me to believe, you're talking about yourself and your personal experience, and it's much easier for the person who disagrees with you and who's listening to you, to tolerate this disagreeable speech because it's not directed at them. It's that simple. You argue with I feel or I am statements or I think. You start with I, you talk about yourself. Crazy idea, (laughs) but it really works. The problem with most of us is we tend to obsess, again, because of this fight-or-flight response, this fear response. We obsess on the enemy. We obsess on using our feelings and our thoughts to understand them. So when there's an actual out-loud verbal argument, we share what we've been thinking. Well, you did this, and you did that, and this is your fault, and you, you, you. Why do we say that? Because that's what we've been thinking about. It's a fight or flight, the emphasis is know the enemy in the ageless wisdom you breathe, you relax and the emphasis is know thyself and so your responsibility is to talk about you and it gets a little tricky because sometimes people will say I feel you are and then say some name, I feel you are a jerk I feel you are stupid. And the other person gets angry, and you said, well, it's just my feeling I said I felt. Well, <laughs> you know, it's not a feeling to say, I feel you're a jerk. It's still a thought. Just because you put the words I feel in front of it, there is no feeling you are a jerk. You can't feel you are a You can't have a feeling that's about other people. Your feelings are always about you. Your thoughts are about other people. Note takers, sit up and jot that one down. That's a big one. Your thoughts are about other people. And to think about yourself has very little benefit. Your feelings are about yourself. And to project your feelings on other people has very little benefit. Your thoughts are for knowing others, your feelings are for knowing yourself. All right? So, I feel, how can they argue? How can somebody argue with you if your position is, well, I feel? And when this happened, that made me feel, or that caused me to feel. And then when this happened, when I found out that, well, you know, then I ended up feeling this way. Who's going to argue with that? But if your sentences begin with you, you're going to put the other person on the defensive and they're, of course, going to try to make you wrong so they can be right. Very little chance of harmony coming out of that kind of conflict. And then this other principle I mentioned before, as you listen to the person making their I feel statements, talking about themselves and their feelings, the idea is to understand it and play it back, not to agree. Your job is not to agree. You believe that's what you want to resolve the argument. You want your partner who's wrong to agree with you and to agree that they're wrong and you were right all along. Guess what? They want just the opposite. Or you could say they want the same thing. (laughs) They want you to see how right they are and how wrong you've been. If instead... Of right, wrong, Judge Judy. We go to the skill of the mediator, which is, what do you understand about what your partner is saying? Tell me, the third party, the mediator, and your partner is going to be listening in. What you heard them say. In fact, can you now that you've said it to me, the mediator or the therapist? Could you turn to your partner? and say, I understand that you feel da 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 And you don't have to agree. You can even say, well, I don't agree with this. My point of view is very different. But if I understand what I heard you say, you've been feeling this way, and when this happened that made you feel this way, and now you're feeling whatever. And you play it back, and guess what? The person that did the speaking who went first gets acknowledged they now feel heard and understood and further it's it's likely they don't care at all whether you agree we think that's what we want is agreement and you're going to have to accept that you're wrong in order for me to be right and then we can agree <laughs> How do you find that middle ground? You listen to understand, rather, and in and its place, give up this need to be right. Okay, It's central to the wisdom traditions of all cultures and all societies that wise women and men would rather understand than be right. To be right about something and add $4 is to Buy a cup of coffee at Starbucks. There's no value in being right. The value is in understanding. Where did we get the idea that it's important to be right? Uh, school. It's childish, isn't it? It's a carryover from school where understanding was not important Being right was important. It didn't matter what you understood in school. It mattered what was the score on the test. And then we carry that into adulthood, grading ourselves, grading other people, trying to be right, even if we sacrifice understanding in the process. But I'd like to take this concept of harmony, as I suggested a few minutes ago, beyond couples counseling, so-called reflective communication, getting heard and understood rather than arguing about who's right or wrong, going from adjudication to real mediation. And I'd like you to consider that every problem, every hardship, every difficulty, every adversity in your life, is an opportunity for harmony and that we don't have to destroy our problems we don't have to kill them you don't have to I'm I'm fascinated by the tendency of human beings to want to kill decimate poison or destroy that which does not seem in perfect harmony with the way they want to live. I mean, war is a perfect example. Why do we fight war? Because we disagree with people.
1: <laughs>
0: what do we disagree over? Well, if you would believe George Bush, we went into Iraq because Saddam had weapons of mass destruction. Well, turns out now that not only did he not have those weapons, but Bush and Cheney and Rumsfeld and Tony Blair and those guys all knew he didn't have weapons of mass destruction. It was a war for for oil, and this was the cover story. And then they tried to make it about nine eleven, and finally Americans figured out Saddam had nothing to do with nine eleven, but they still needed a good cover story, so they went to regime change. So we're going to kill somewhere between 100,000 and 1 million people and spend $3 trillion because we've decided that the people of Iraq would rather have a democratic government than suffer under Saddam Hussein. Remember, Cheney said we'd be greeted as liberators. Or look at any other war, the 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 so-called uh, uh, wars in uh, South Korea and Vietnam, our invasions of Grenada and, and Panama, and, and we've got 65,000 troops in Germany from a war that ended in 1945, and tens of thousands of troops similarly in Japan, and and thousands of troops in South Korea. When we fight a war, we never leave. But my example is not limited to war. Look at gardening. One little caterpillar, one little aphid, one little vegetarian critter wants a little taste of your vegetables, and out comes the poison. And you spray the food that's intended for your table or allow the farmers to do it for you with poison. They deliberately, purposefully poison food destined for your dinner table to keep the bugs off so it looks pretty to maximize profits. You're going to kill that problem, too, just like war. And, and as if that's not enough, there's a third arena where we do the same thing. Health care. You have a little infection in one part of your body. Here is a broad-spectrum antibiotic to kill every bacteria in your body, even the beneficial bacteria that your body needs. maintain balance. You are not supposed to be sterile. You're supposed supposed to be in balance. But here I've got this wonderful, miraculous, broad-spectrum antibiotic. I I don't debate that in many cases it saved a lot of lives. But we now have this MRSA, this superbug in hospitals and factory farms that is the result of the indiscriminate use of antibiotics, antibiotic, anti-life. So whether it's your personal health care, taking drugs that just breed superbugs, or poisoning your garden and then eating food out of there to get rid of the little aphids and mites and, and, uh, you know, a fungus or whatever, or international war, we've got this mad idea, this insane, crazy idea that we must kill the opposition. And, uh, you know, oftentimes if we go back to marriage, that happens. Again, O.J. loved Nicole. He killed her because he loved her. If he didn't love her, he w- he wouldn't have cared. That's how crazy it gets. And too few people are offering any kind of alternative. And harmony is an alternative, again, not just for disagreement with your spouse, but in all of these other areas, in war, international tension, replacing war, um, finding new ways of growing food, finding new approaches to health care that are about harmony and balance as opposed to killing off or destroying the great evil. You know, the archetype of St. George slaying the dragon is the archetype of good vanquishing evil. What I'm saying is that harmony through conflict as one of the key principles of the ageless wisdom, the ancient wisdom, Is that you practice instead the way, for example, love saves or redeems fear? Love doesn't kill fear, it redeems it. It finds something good in the darkness, it finds the gold in the dark, as Carl Jung said and lifts that up and out. Another allegory is uh alchemical the the alchemist would have this gold ore for example. You know, the allegory of lifting lead to gold. That that's what we're talking about. But let's say he's got or she has this big rock of gold ore. How are you gonna get the gold out? Well they put it in the athenor or the alchemist's oven crank the heat up and burn off the dross. That's an alchemical word for impurities until everything that is not gold has been burned away, leaving only the gold. Well, again, the ageless wisdom from all cultures and all societies and all times sees that as a parable, as an allegory or a metaphor for the fires of adversity burning off what is not pure, what is not true, what is false and unreal, leaving that which is good and true and beautiful the gold itself. And so the alchemist has a saying, the only thing that burns in hell is the ego. The only thing that's painful in life, that hurts you, is the part of you that's not real, the ego, struggling to control life when this life does not belong to the ego. It belongs to the higher self. The ego needs to be so that you have a part that identifies with the separated form to help it survive, to fight for the right to survive, to get through evolution, to the stages that we're now just beginning as human beings en masse to move into, a a level of enlightenment where we're starting to say to ourselves, I don't think I, I should have to kill everything that seems to oppose me, and I don't think I should have to kill anyone who disagrees with me. And I don't think we need to keep invading these tiny little nations. You know, we spend more on war, the United States, than the rest of the world combined. We have more of our people in prison than the rest of the world combined. But in infant mortality, we're 37th in the world. Our priorities are crazy and upside down. Because we still have this old, outmoded St. George slaying the dragon model of good vanquishing or killing evil. It can instead, through harmony, find the gold in the dark, find what's good in this adversity, save it, this is salvation, uplift it, resurrect, redeem, or transmute it from darkness into the light, from ignorance into understanding, from from evil or fear into goodness. Not just once, but many times, repeatedly, again and again and again, so that you begin to recognize that the idea of redemption or resurrection in Christianity is really intended to be much more broad, much more wide-ranging than redeeming a lifetime. It's about redeeming or resurrecting or saving every problem, every bit of ignorance, every adversity with harmony. Using relaxation and meditation to quiet the mind calm the heart and still the body to to manage the stresses and the fears the ignorance and the evil so as to get insight and understanding to find the third way, the fourth possibility the fifth option in the middle Right, find what's in the greatest good of all concern and understand it to realize it to bring it forth and then share it with other people you see so you could avoid a war by getting the principals who want war to sit down and and basically take turns explaining to the other person not only their own position but what they see as meritorious in the position that the opponent is taking. So I've got to say not only why I think my argument is right, I've got to, in all honesty, in a situation like this, say what it is about your argument that I can agree with, or at least understand. I may not agree with it, but I understand this is how you feel, and to find merit in that position. I was called in to mediate a dispute with two people. I won't get into this. It had to do with a parade, (laughs) believe it or not. It was a community parade back in Southern California, and two of the principals that were running this parade were at each other's throats, and we resolved it in three minutes. I just had each of them, one at a time, say one good thing that they understood about their opponent's position. And it broke the ice. Everything was better after that. There wasn't this sense of everything or nothing, either or. Binary, all black or all white, all right or all wrong. Suddenly there was a middle ground. Each person was able to say, I don't agree with your position, but there is one or two things you said that I can acknowledge. I do understand and And I can see the merit in this. Well, that's all it took. Human beings can do this. We can find harmony in resolving conflicts and and disputes that lead to war, in family arguments that lead to all kinds of pain and suffering. But we can also find harmony and balance in the garden and in our physical bodies as well. It's a very important concept. And it takes adversity, it takes a problem, it takes some sort of conflict to bring us to the, to the opportunity of creating harmony, of saving the good bits and throwing out the rest. Instead of categorizing everything in your life as all right or all wrong, just like religion, one of the things I love about this webinar is that it's attended, whether live or in replay or podcast, by people who are not looking for the one right way. Maybe we spent a lot of years looking for the one right way until we finally gave it up and said, I'd like to collect a little of this and a little of that, maybe a little bit of what Christianity is about I really like, and And there's some Buddhism over here, and I like what the Sufis have to say, and you blend it all together. (laughs) On my Facebook page where it says religion, I have, uh, what did I put, Gnostic, Essene, Christian, Rosicrucian, Sufi, Buddhist. I don't remember the order, but... Hey, Michael, what religion are you? Well... Christian, the C Gnostic, Rosicrucian, but there's a lot of Buddhism, and of course everybody's a Sufi, right? (laughs) Most people don't have the time. Most Christians don't have the time. Most Christians have never read the Bible, have no idea what's in there. And I would dare say the the same thing is is true for many so-called religious people. They're not that familiar with the books. They let other people do their thinking for them. But if you dedicate some significant part of your life to finding not the one right way, but to study all all the, the ways, so to speak, um, that would be called a comparative approach to religion and philosophy. Uh, The author, Houston Smith, for example, practices five religions every day. He practices five religions. I, I dare say he is not a conflicted person. He's getting a little from this religion that he couldn't get from any other, but he has to go over here to this religion to get what's missing from the first one, and then there's a little bit in this third religion, and then some important stuff over here in religion number four, that he feels that he needs to draw upon. And this is the direction we're moving in. When people say, like so many of you here, that I'm spiritual but not religious, that's what we're doing. We're moving toward a world religion, which is really not a single religion, but a philosophical approach to what does it mean to be a spiritual person. And that's what's exciting about the 21st century, is these old religious forms are dying. They um, they they're used up. People people are smart enough now, increasingly, little by little and bit by bit, to to think for themselves and to find the contradictions and the hypocrisy in these. Um, various religious tracts which are really just letters and essays that have been cobbled together and called you know this holy book or that holy book the bible the the talmud the hebrew bible the christian bible funny thing about the fundamentalist christians they hardly ever quote the christian bible they quote mostly the hebrew bible A lot of contradiction here. Harmony is the middle ground, folks. Not just the 50-yard line, but the whole playing field, the full swing of the pendulum, every variation, permutation, and combination that will enrich your life, help you to be less defensive and more readily embrace ideas in the past that you wouldn't have disagreed with or that you would have disagreed with. And maybe to some extent you still disagree. But you find these other areas that merit some understanding, that make some sense. And you can then put together your own non-judgmental worldview by pulling upon harmony. What the theosophist calls the the fourth ray or the fourth spirit before the throne. If you've ever heard the phrase in Christianity, the seven spirits before the throne, the fourth is this idea of harmony through conflict, the alchemical transmutation of lead to gold, of a problem to a solution, of ignorance, fear, and evil, to understanding, love, and light. Let's stop killing everything that disagrees with us, whether it's promoting war or, as I say, the way you garden or grow food with poison and the way you treat your own body with antibiotics and other poisonous chemicals. Again, don't don't flip out and go all the way to the other extreme. Find the balance in the middle. You have to weave that tapestry. And that requires some meditation, some introspection and and some understanding alright, that's basically what I wanted to tell you today about the fourth fourth ray so-called, the fourth spirit of harmony, harmony through conflict it's an attribute of love as consciousness let's go to the Q&A and see what folks have to say today, if you're on the web and you just want to say hi um You can do that at the uh, little text box on the page in front of you. And Carol Postel is in there, and she says hello. And uh, Carol, of course, is in La Habra, and also Donna in Albuquerque is with us today, and she says hello. And if I go over to the telephones, um, this is the first time I've ever seen more people on the phones than there are uh, on the web. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I'm glad that's the case. Uh, I like the idea of answering the phones here too. So, if you have a question or a comment you want to type out and use that text area, you'll, you'll, that that should be obvious on the screen right in front of you. There's a button that says "Ask a Question" that'll bring that box back up if it went away. We'll go back to that in a minute. Let's go to the phones here for just a little while. And uh, Robert is with us again this week. Let's bring him on. Hi, Robert. You're on with Michael Benner of the Mystery School.
1: Hello, Robert. Uh, Hello, Michael. Aloha. Aloha to you. Yeah, so many things to comment on this uh, topic. But one thing I did uh, just want to say real quick, since it sounds like there's uh, perhaps other people uh, who have been raising their hands, is uh, Joseph Chilton Pierce, a man I know you're familiar with, uh, wrote a book uh, more recently within the last ten years called *The Biology of Transcendence*, uh, which, in which he talks about this this problem of in stress everything shifts to the hind brain, where and we you know incur all these problems because once we've got to that point we're We're basically in a reptilian or old mammalian system, and it's about self defense uh on a survival level and uh He talks about how that's occurred as a result of conditioning and uh, i am not gonna paraphrase him because it's it's a, a deep and exhaustive subject, but if anybody were interested in looking at that further uh that's a very interesting book to read.
0: You know, I've read uh, two or three of his books, but that one I'm um, I'm not familiar with. Say the name of it again.
1: The Biology of Transcendence. By Joseph Chilton Pierce. Yeah, and there is a subtitle which I which I'm not even gonna attempt, but uh that's that's enough. If you Google yeah. that it would be enough. you can be found yeah. at Amazon. I think he that one came out uh after 2000, and it's a different publisher than uh, than uh, you know the original the original four or five books that uh, he did early on. Where it was a different publication, different publishing company.
0: Well, he did famously cracking the cosmic egg.
1: Yeah, cracking the cosmic egg, exploring the
0: crack in the cosmic that egg. Was a one, then magical did, uh,
1: child and uh, right, and, and magical child matures. Were the first four the the great quadrilogy as I call it that that was really, those four books are really really one giant volume right um it's, it's a, an impressive bit of reading if if a person can get through it take well
0: child magical child is is one might infer from the title is all about child development and it was a very enlightened approach to child development. And then uh, a fifth book of his I read was, um, I think, Bond of Power.
1: Yeah, Bond of Power is is Uh, an earlier book, definitely about his uh, relationship with uh, uh, Muktananda, Swami the City Lineage. But he's got several. uh, Evolution's End is another one um, where he draws upon some Fascinating material uh, from the world of savants, which is a whole other study about mental fields and mind fields and whatnot. But he's, uh, yeah, Joe, Joe is—he's uh, still around. He's somewhere out there. Uh, all within,
0: he, he was a uh, humanities professor initially, wasn't he?
1: If I'm not mistaken, some somewhere—I I can't remember what what he was. Doing originally,
0: that's my uh, take on it. I think that uh, I, I seem to remember in my mind connecting him to Rajneesh only in that Rajneesh, before he became a spiritual leader, was also an Indian um, humanities professor, college humanities professor, and it's the humanities where a lot of people get their first taste taste of of different cultures and. And see a harmony. Begin to see harmony where other people see only the discord, and uh, so I think humanities can be an entry point for a lot of people into spirituality.
1: Yeah, when you said that, I thought of the great Emersonian quote it was by Emerson, actually not Emersonian, but by Emerson. I, w- I wish I could. I wish I remember the actual quote, but paraphrasing, he said that most people have got it wrong. They look at the religions and look for the points of difference, whereas the delight is in finding all the points of similarity. Yeah,
0: yeah. but again, uh, and and for an enlightened follower, that makes sense. But if you're the guy pushing the product out in front, uh, you're going to be competitive. And sadly, that's what we have. Most churches are competing with the other church down the block and, you know, my take on salvation is better than their take on salvation. So,
1: all right, they want to push the divisive angle, uh, you know, alienation. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're unfortunately, unfortunately, I, I got to get off the phone here because I know you got other people to go to. But this is happening not just in the world of religion, but unfortunately, it's a disease that has spread through the realm of what we would call the New Age uh, spiritual human potential movement. You see a lot of evangelical types. You see a lot of wannabe gurus, a lot of fake teachers yep. who do a lot of stuff that's really around the bend, and are selling no product or, or a crappy product, and their the the motivation is the renown, the accolade, the wealth, the uh, recognition, which has got nothing to do with the path. Of a teacher, the teacher, the true teacher follows the advo- the admonition in the Bhagavad Gita: "Don't attach to the fruits. Don't attach to the fruits." And a person like that will have no investment in the person's development. And although that may sound like a bad thing, actually it's the best thing because when you have an investment, then all of a sudden you're compelled to do things. To make sure people are somehow manifesting something according to the doctrine or dogma or whatever it is that you're pushing, I got to get off the soapbox here because that's a whole other discussion. But
0: well, it's a good one though. I I certainly agree with that. I think that uh, the the spiritual path is not linear, and to try to quantify it or or say what what grade you're at like the rosicrucians had grades of initiation uh, alchemy has its steps and its grades uh freemasonry likewise um i think it's a pretty dangerous thing um because if you start thinking that you're superior well then by definition you must not be <laughs> so it's like that old axiom, those who say don't know and those who know don't say. Um, there, There is some validity to the idea of, of aspiring or making an approach or improving, but we're really just drawing forth and developing what we already have, and we're doing it in the here and now. So we're really not going anyplace, and we're really not becoming anything that we... Don't already have access to. It's a matter of developing and and using who we really are. So uh, it's it's spirituality has got to be a completely non-authoritative place where every teacher is ultimately a student first. That's my take on it, anyway.
1: Yeah, ultimately it brings to mind that great quote: "Communication can only really occur between equal."
0: Uh nice. I have to think about that. Robert, thank you for calling.
1: Take care, Michael. Aloha.
0: Aloha. And um, yeah, let me go back and see if, uh, oh, I have a refresh button here. i got to remember to hit the refresh button. Don't see any other callers. Let me go back to the text questions and see if there's anybody in here besides Donna and Carol. Not really. Let me hit refresh here. So let's just do a little, oh yeah, we have a few other people that have come in. Um, Valerie in Orange County, or in Orange, says, Wonderful to hear your soothing voice and words of wisdom and inspiration. You were one of my late-night radio friends back in your L.A. days, and I feel blessed that you've re-entered my world at this time in my life. Aloha, nui loa, from my heart to yours. That's very sweet, Valerie. And you obviously know Hawaii. Uh, so that's beautiful mahalo and aloha nui loha uh, to you that's great it reminds me to invite all of you that are listening live uh, to join us and if you're listening to a replay streaming or podcast you can do it next Sunday Um, join us at the Ning site after this um, web conference is over which is usually about uh, ninety minutes in so we started at one o'clock west coast time about two thirty which is just what six minutes from now Um, it'll be a little longer than that but somewhere between uh, one thirty and one forty five will usually finish up i'm sorry two thirty two forty five pacific time will finish up and then if you've never been there, you just gotta go and sign up first and get registered and it's our social net for students and and uh, people like Valerie who used to listen to the radio show or maybe there were clients of mine at one time and it's It's a lot like Facebook only for people who really are fascinated by personal and spiritual development so you can go there now and register and I'll approve you and you can join us in chat afterwards that's theagelesswisdom.ning n-i-n-g dot com after the w's remember the the t-h-e is part of the address so the w's dot theagelesswisdom.ning n-i-n-g nancy i-n-g dot com and uh to keep the spammers out, I have to approve it, but I know how to do that. doesn't take long, and uh, we can get you into the chat room uh, after this. And we have a lot of other cool things to tell you about, too, but little by little, one by one. I'll tell you about it. Also in Apple Valley, Don is with us today. Hello, Don. And he says, thanks for a great class, and say hi to all. And uh, best to you and Doreen. Thank you, Don. And uh, also Los Angeles, Patricia Vega is with us. Hello, Patricia. She says, just want to let you know it was a great show as always. Thank you, Patricia. So let's do a visualization, a short meditation exercise, and uh, install, if you will, this concept of of harmony, of harmony through conflict, and uh, then we'll sign off, call it a day, and um, go over to the those of you who can join us in chat over at the Ning site. We'll meet you over there for a few minutes anyway. So get comfortable. Pump up the pillows. Sit back and relax. I like to remind us that the importance of sitting straight does not mean rigid. It means balanced. And so you can probably lean back if you have some pillows behind you, and allow yourself to be supported by the pillows. But I want you to think in terms of being balanced, your shoulders back. Do a couple of head rolls and some shoulder shrugs and get a sense of balance, your head being above the spine, the spine perfectly aligned as a path of least resistance. That's what your spine is. It is um, a conductor of energy, of, of life force, of elan or chi, kundalini, prana, lots of names for it. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the life force, alan vital. Consider that as you become perfectly aligned, Your spine, then, is a path of least resistance for the light that comes into you, animates you, and illumines you from the inside, the light that comes into you and radiates out from the inside of you into the world. So to more effectively get to this place, I want you to take two or three nice, slow, deep breaths, inhaling ideally through your nose, if at all possible. If not, get out the neti pot. We got to do a show on the neti pot one week. <laughs> I'll tell you about the neti pot. So you can breathe through the nose. It gets the oxygen into the bloodstream. And as you exhale, ah, the nirvana means a sigh of relief it's the letting go Ah, that is nirvana that's what that word means and then after three or four of these just allow your body to begin to breathe itself at its own rhythm, its own cadence its own pace And I'd like to suggest that you place your attention on the bottom of your nose at the very point where the air comes into and leaves the body. At that very point on the bottom of your nose, gently fix your attention and watch your breath. Almost as if you're watching someone else's body being breathed. And as you do this, tell yourself that you feel safer and more relaxed. And every once in a while, maybe once every minute or two, you might want to take just one really nice, big, slow, deep breath again. And hold as you peek, and then ah. Uh, Just ah, let go as you exhale, and then turn the breathing over to autopilot again, allowing your body to breathe itself, feeling very safe and very relaxed. I'd like you to imagine yourself in a beautiful natural place, a wooded glen, a warm shaded forested place, maybe a sunny meadow or a lonely stretch of beach. You could be deep in a valley or way up on top of a mountain. It's up to you. Dream it up. But be outdoors be in a natural, beautiful paradise of your own invention and imagine yourself sitting upon the earth, connected to the earth as if rooted or grounded into the earth reminding yourself again just how safe and relaxed you are how peaceful and content feeling almost as if time stands still And there's no place at all that you'd rather be, nowhere else you need to be, that for the next five or ten minutes, it's enough just to be right here, right now. And I'd like you to think of a discussion that you're having with your husband, your wife, your partner, maybe a parent or a child of yours. And as you recall it, You don't need the particulars of the argument. You don't need to remember what exactly you argued about. I would like to suggest instead that you simply allow yourself to feel emotionally, in your body, how it felt to be in that argument. Because it's not a very good feeling. And it should be a feeling you can easily recall. And you can actually move your awareness if it normally resides in your head. Imagine moving your awareness down into your body and feeling about in the body for the emotional sensation that you recall from this heated argument, this discussion so-called, but There was some frustration there, maybe some hurt. Around the idea of not being able to express yourself, feeling as if you're not getting heard or understood. In this safe and quiet place, it should be much easier now looking back for you to realize that the person you're having this argument with feels pretty much the same way from their point of view, their their hurt, their frustration, the reason the reason they're raising their voice and increasingly interrupting you while you increasingly interrupt them as they want to get heard and understood they're frustrated and this creates more stress and anxiety and reinforces and underscores the tendency to think in only black or white everything or nothing all right or all wrong terms which causes a greater neediness and more frustration when you can't seem to get any kind of agreement at all. The person you're arguing with is too busy arguing their case. They're doing the same thing you are. Each person, as you look at it now, you can easily see that each one of you is talking about the other one. As if the problem here is that you don't agree with me. You don't understand that I'm right. Or maybe as simple as you just don't understand how I feel. But we get stuck in this groove like before CDs when (laughs) a record would get scratched, you know, and sometimes it would just play around and around, you know. That record just stuck in that groove, or in that rut, actually, more a rut than a groove. You feel stuck. How do we get out of this? I'll tell you how. Find something in the other person's argument that you can acknowledge and agree with it. Find just one little thing. doesn't have to be the central issue. Give them whatever you can give them. The chances that the two of you agree 100% are completely in opposition on all points is not likely. It's more likely that you agree on 95% of something and this 5% has become the sole focus of your anxiety and your attention. The 5% is now everything. And you forgot about the fact that this person is on your side most of the time. They're having a similar experience. So whoever gets conscious first, whoever is going to take the leadership role, all you have to do say something to your partner that acknowledges one of their points. You could say, I don't agree with much of what you're saying, but we already know that. And I don't understand a lot of what you're saying, and you already know that. But i tell you what I can give you. I, I, I do understand how you feel about this. Listen to that statement. If I understand you correctly, you're feeling this way and this way and this way. Well, I I can, I can understand how you'd feel that way. I don't feel that way, and I see this very differently, but listen to the words. I can understand how you'd feel that way. Now take a breath. And as you exhale, feel how it feels to be understood, even if only just a little bit. Then maybe you could return the favor and say, well, as far as your position goes, I, I there, there's one area here that I can definitely say I... Understand how you feel, maybe I even agree with you a little bit. I certainly understand how you feel, but that doesn't change my feelings. And now you can talk to each other with sentences that begin with, I feel, my feelings tell me about me. And instead of you always and you never and you're the one and bringing up the past, you don't bring up the past. You sit right here, right now, and you don't start sentences with Y-O-U. You begin them with the single word, letter, I feel. And nobody can argue with you about the fact that you feel that way. Somebody says, oh, you shouldn't feel that way or don't feel that way, it's ridiculous. It's absurd. They wouldn't say that if you had a physical pain. Oh, you shouldn't feel that physical pain. Shouldn't feel that way. (laughs) What? I do, but I do. And all I wanted was for you to say that you can understand how I'd feel this way. You don't need to agree with me. You don't need to be right. This is called acknowledgement. And now you've reached a place of harmony. It's a balance point. Of mutual respect and sympathy based on understanding at the expense of being right you give up for the relationship the need of the separate self to be right by making the other person wrong if there is you or me right or wrong there is no relationship it's got to be you and me right and wrong We're not on different teams, we're on the same team. Why does it feel like we're on different teams? Because of stress and anxiety. And a built-in habitual survival response. That says this person is a threat to your very survival. Electrochemically, that's what your brain is saying to you. And you know how that feels as anxiety and muscular tension in your body. Then the first person to realize it, to recognize the need to reframe the discussion, says, we need to get on the same team. If we're both on the same team, we win together. And even if we lose, we do that together. So there's a kind of winning in losing if it's together, at least together. (laughs) We transcend win or lose, right or wrong, good or bad, and move to harmony. Love and peace and understanding is not an extreme, it's in the middle. Consciousness is the middle way. Love is the middle way. Peace is the middle way and the tree of life the trunk of the tree it's the middle way where we find goodness and truth and beauty not out on one extreme the the two extremes are not good and evil the two extremes are evil and evil ignorance and ignorance the heart is in the middle the soul, the love, the harmony is in the middle someplace 60-40, 30-70 95-5 sometimes even 50-50 somewhere in the middle I can understand how you'd feel that way there's power in those words I can understand how you'd feel that way. You can do that. You can say that. You can be the spiritual warrior who is not afraid to build peace and understanding with harmony and proactively initiate the harmony. Be the first one to give Be the first one to forgive. That's the freedom of leadership. The freedom that leadership provides. Take a nice slow deep breath now. Hold as you peek and as you exhale, open your eyes, wide awake and alert, back in the room, feeling rested, and maybe even a little harmonized. <laughs> Agreeing to disagree, elevating understanding above the need to be right, elevating an understanding above the sense of being a winner, a loser, good or bad, right. Well, thanks for being with us, and um, I'm going to let you go at this point. We're going to sign this off, shut it down, uh, begin to set up the podcast that goes out in a day or two. Again, you can always subscribe at the iTunes Music Store and most major podcast directories. I um, want to remind you about the uh, Ning site, com. Also, want to say hi to Norman, who's jumped in here from Ottumwa, Iowa. And, uh, Norman, I got to back out of here, but I'm going to read your comment later. And thank you for saying hi. Appreciate you being here. And those of you on the telephone as well. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui.